1: The Bible, in both the Old Testament and New, tells us that man was formed of the dust of the ground, and that even as living creatures, we all are but clay in the hands of God. Yet the Apostle Peter, in his epistles, boldly declares that we have become living stones useful in building up God's house. Chapter 2, verse 5 of his first epistle says... You yourselves also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, I think we can all easily relate to being lumps of clay, but it may be more difficult for us to relate to being living stones, useful for God's building and precious. How is it that such a transformation from clay to precious stone is possible? Well, Peter, in both his words and by the example of his own spiritual progress, gives us a marvelous pattern. Matt Miller has joined us for our fellowship. We're in Chapter 2 of the Book of 1 Peter. Wonderful portion, isn't it, Matt?
2: It really is, Chris. I feel uh, blessed by the Lord to be here for this program today. It's a really good one. I'm looking forward to it.
1: You know, we can't talk about this a matter of Peter's writing and this metaphor that he uses referring to the believers as living stones against a backdrop of other portions in scripture that tell us from our natural composition and constitution, we really amount to clay in God's eyes. So to understand how this transition takes place, we really need to understand the origin of his spiritual experience, don't we?
2: You know, Chris, I think it's really amazing that This revelation that we see with Peter that you mentioned about how he saw the believers as living stones. And as we're going to see in today's program, those stones are for a purpose. They're for the spiritual house. And this revelation, we talked about it before the program today, is unique to Peter. No other writer gives such a clear word about the believers being stones for a spiritual house. And the stones come through a process of transformation that you mentioned, that we start out as clay, but we end up as stones. There's a transformation implied there, and we'll see more. I, I can't get into it in this introduction, but it's similar to Paul's experience. You know, Paul, he also had an initial revelation, and we've talked a lot about that in past radio programs, where he saw the body of Christ, how the Lord came to him in Acts chapter 9 and said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. So he got a vision from the day of his salvation that there's this, Jesus is there in the heavens, Paul is persecuting believers on the earth, and he saw the vision right then, immediately, the head is in heaven. The members of the body are on earth, and he talked about that through his ministry in the New Testament. The body and the head, the body of Christ were all members. Peter influenced the same way, an initial revelation yeah. of the living stone, and that became his ministry, especially here in first peter chapter two
1: that 's a really uh, an excellent comparison of the writings of Paul and Peter, how both their initial significant event associated with their receiving Christ so influenced them for all of their lives and their ministry and their writings. And each are able to bring into focus an aspect, uh, not just of our salvation, but of God's purpose. That is really marvelous. And, you know, Peter we're seeing so now complements Paul's writings. Of course, Paul had a greater volume of writing. But what Peter is adding in these two uh, epistles really finishes the uh, picture, doesn't it?
2: It does. And uh, it reminds me one time of a summary of someone gave of Witness Lee's whole ministry, Living Stream Ministry can all be summarized in life and building.
1: Yeah. Well, as we're going to see in this uh, first portion of Witness Lee's sharing, two monumental events shaped Peter's perception and what he unveils to us in his epistles. One is the occasion that you're referring to takes place in John chapter 1, is the record. Verse 42, Peter has just been brought to the Lord. And the Lord, looking at him, Jesus said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which is interpreted Peter, or a stone. Uh, That stuck with Peter, obviously, as uh, he comes to his epistles. Then, some two and a half years later, in Matthew 16, this is the occasion where the Lord asks the disciples, they're all gathered, who do men say that I am? And Peter has the great revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And at this moment, the Lord turns to him and somewhat praises him for having this revelation. But then he completes the revelation with what he tells him in verse 16. And Simon Peter said, with what he tells him in verse 17 and 18, in 16, Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So it's not enough for us just to realize who Christ is. We also need to have a realization of who we are, don't we, Matt?
2: You are Peter, which means you are a stone. And upon this rock, I will build my church. That rock is really not Peter, as some falsely interpret. It's the revelation that Peter had, which is really the revelation of Christ as the son of the living God. Upon that revelation of Christ, he will build the church.
1: So Peter realizes that Christ is the rock that the church is built on. And the Lord points to him and says, you are Peter, a stone. And now Peter wants to impart the same revelation to all of us that realize that we also are now living stones for God's house. Very good. All right, here's Witness Lee.
3: We were made of clay. We were not stones. We were pieces of clay. Yeah. Genesis 2 told us this, right? God made man with clay, Amen. with the dust of the earth. And then Romans 9 tells us that we were vessels of clay. Then how come we are stones? Do you remember Peter's story? When he came to the Lord in the early days, right away the Lord changed his name. That change of name indicates transformation. And His name was Simon. The Lord just said, you are Peter. This Greek word simply means a stone. You are a stone. You know, according to Bible principle, whatever the Lord speaks, it will be. When the Lord says, you are a stone, you'll be a stone. The Lord says, Simon, you are a stone. This indicates transformation. Firstly, Peter was told he was a stone. Then after about two and a half years, you know the story. In Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus asked them, you say, who I am? Then Peter said, Lord, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. Then the Lord said, Peter, you are a stone. And I am the rock. I will build the church, including you, on me, the rock. These two incidents, these two events, were deeply impressed in Peter's being. Peter could never forget these two events. When Peter wrote this portion of the word, he wrote it from the impression of these two events.
1: Matt, let's consider these two major events, significant events that really had to be major anchor points in Peter's life. Uh, He had a lot of ups and downs, didn't he? But it seems as the Lord had these two uh, significant opportunities that he could always bring him back to that eventually became, as we've been talking, shaping influences in his ministry.
2: Well, you can see, Chris, Peter didn't write nearly as many chapters in the New Testament as the Apostle Paul did. But Obviously, this was a major part of Peter's writings. I mean, this is what he's talking about here in chapter 2. And I can't help but uh, think of a comment a radio listener made one time. They said, I, I finally figured out what you guys do on the radio. You come on the radio and you explain what Witness going to say, and then after he says it, you talk about what he just said. And I think here's a perfect example. We just finished talking about these two major landmarks in Peter's life, the initial contact with the Lord in John 1 and then in Matthew 16 again Two and a half years later, how those affected his whole ministry to see this matter of you're a Peter, you're a stone. He he was clay, but he had the vision. The Lord tells me I'm a stone. I'm going to eventually be a stone. Right. And then He tells him again after He has the revelation of Christ. You're Peter, you're a stone. In in other words, and upon this rock I'll build my church. That's the first mention in the Bible of the word church. Yeah. This is a major revelation. And so. Here we are trying to take this massive revelation and reduce it into a short radio program. I just hope we can repeat it and repeat it until it becomes so simple that the listeners would get this simple point that is so profound.
1: We talked about in a program a couple of days ago that in just two verses preceding this sequence, uh, Peter brings us to the matter of the milk of the word. And here the metaphor is very biological. Uh, botanical, as Bill Lawson said. And now, without any kind of transition or bridge, he switches the metaphor to this matter of stone. So even this in the writing in chapter two implies the same transformation, doesn't it?
2: It does, and I like the context. We're going to get into this more later, how it says, coming to him a living stone. It, 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 you know, you're know, you talking about the word of God abiding forever at the end of chapter one. Right. You're talking about longing for the guileless milk in the word, as a newborn babe, and growing unto salvation. So you've got growth, you've got milk, and it's related to the word. And then we talk about coming to him, a living stone. And so you connect right away the stone to the milk, and you're coming to him. These are not small words, and they're not there by accident. This is very meaningful. And I personally have received a lot of light as I've been getting into this verses to prepare for this program. So I hope our listeners are staying with us and we can keep it simple enough for them that they really get the help to see what's going on here in Peter's writings.
1: Yeah, I've been getting uh, the same kind of help, Matt, and I think it's good that we uh, repeat these concepts and these phrases until this light begins to really break upon all of us because it is, uh, it's is—it's revolutionary to our own Christian experience and our, and our own Christian walk and the goal that we maybe have set. It's not for some kind of outward behavioral adjustment that God is looking for uh, or some kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, following a pattern in an outward kind of way of, to mimic. But we're really talking about organic changes within our being, metabolical changes, you uh, you know, there's a, a, a Greek word that's in the Bible that the English transliteration is metamorphosis, which really is the word for transformation. These are changes at the most elemental levels, aren't they?
2: They are, Chris, and uh, I'm going to do your job here for you. This is right, a good segue into this next section. I think we better go back to Witness Lee. Let's do it.
3: We today all are pieces of clay, but here it says we are going to be built up. Not as... Clay, we need to be stone. So it says here, you yourself also as living stones. Now, how could we become living stones? By coming to the stone. How could clay become stone? In the essay, if you go to Arizona, you have a big place full of peacified wood. This is a piece of wood under the current of the water for years. You know the story. The water carries all the minerals to pass through the piece of wood. And the water, on the one hand, carries away all the substance of the wood carried away and replaced the substance of the wood with all the minerals. And eventually, the wood becomes stone. <laughs> Precious stones. How could you be so petrified by coming to the Lord every day, every day, coming to him as milk. See? To whom coming? To whom coming? By what will you come to him? By drinking him. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. It is not an overnight business. I like the crucified stones. I have in my home at least two or three pairs bookends made of this can petrify things. Very hard. Have
2: you got it?
1: Well he asks, have you got it, Matt? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Chris, I, I I'd like to ask the listeners the same question. Uh, I think I've got it, and I hope we can bring the listeners into it. This matter of petrified wood is a perfect example because you're taking something wooden, which, you know, we see from first Corinthians chapter three. That's not going to pass the test of the fire. Right. You know, Paul used the analogy there, fire will test every man's work, whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, or whether it's gold, silver, and precious stones. So you have some things that are precious that will go through the fire. Well, petrified wood will make it through the fire, right. but wood won't. So what's the difference? Well, it's the process of the minerals passing through the wood over long periods of time. And what a picture in First Peter chapter 2 comparing it to the milk of the word. When we come to him and the word, we come to the word and the word is going through us day after day. We may think not that much about it. It may not be a big deal to us. Oh, I I read the Bible for 15 minutes in the morning. I, I don't even remember what I read. Well, you might not remember, but you know what? some milk got stuck into your being that's going to make you petrified to make you become a stone for God's building. Wow! This is a miracle of transformation to transform us, to change us. It's beyond mental comprehension. It's a reality. There's something real getting deposited into us when we open to the Lord. We come to him in the word, coming to him, drinking the milk of the word. It's really wonderful.
1: It's not a uh, accident, uh, I don't think, Matt, that even the Greek root of the word Peter is the same uh, Greek uh, root from which we get the word petrification. It's petrification, I guess you could say. Of course, Witness Lee's accent there makes it a little hard to understand. I think he says uh, petrification, meaning petrification. But the principle is really consistent throughout this whole uh, development, isn't it?
2: We need a lot more than a half-an-hour radio program to cover this in uh, a proper way. I just hope the listeners could get the life study message and get into this more. All we can do is really use our index finger and point.
1: All right, let's go back to Witness lead to our final section. I want to pick up another verse now in chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Now we're talking about, obviously, the result of transformation. A holy nation, a people acquired for a possession, so that you may tell out the virtues of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in Peter's second epistle, chapter 1, verse 3, similar language, seeing that his divine power has granted to us all things which relate to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and virtue. Let's look into these virtues, these excellent virtues of God in this coming portion.
3: Verse 9, 10. But you are children raised. Number one, royal priesthood. Number two, holy nation. Number three. And people for possession. Number four. A children race indicates mainly the source. The race. Then we are people royal, kingly. Then we are holy. Holy nation. Then we are a particular treasure. The Greek word, which is a kind of equivalent to the Hebrew, people for a possession. This is a quotation from the Old Testament. Yeah. And the Hebrew word implies a particular treasure. We are a particular treasure, a special, precious possession. Of God. So firstly, we are a race, then we are a priesthood, a group of priests, and then we are a nation, and then we are a treasure, a particular treasure to God. God just treasures us. We are so precious to Him so that you may tell out. Now we proclaim, now we preach. We tell out, tell out what? The virtues of him. The virtues are the excellencies. And this means the excellent attributes. The excellent behaviors. The excellent conduct. The excellent act. God has a lot of virtues. He is So merciful. You see, to be merciful is a virtue. He is so loving. He loves the sinners, even like us. And this loving is a virtue. God has too many excellent attributes. All these excellent divine attributes are the virtues of God. You know, when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, every day Peter saw the virtues of the Lord Jesus. Whatever the Lord Jesus acted, did, behaved, was an excellent conduct. And that excellent conduct is a virtue. And this kind of excellency, Peter saw that, so he was attracted by that. Peter was attracted by the Lord's virtue and by the glory.
1: Matt, I like a couple of things in this section. Let me kind of cover one of them real quick and then hand you the ball for the the second. The, The obvious one, the easy one is, here was Peter with the Lord. And he was able firsthand to witness these excellent virtues being lived out day by day by day, and there was a real attraction that uh, took place in Peter. Obviously, it caused him to leave his former life and really, you know, follow the Lord in such a such a way. But the part of this section that I'd like you to talk about more is even how that those virtues and those attributes eventually impact us to where we change in how attractive we are even in God's eyes.
2: You know, Chris, it's not something that you can try to do. It's something that comes out of enjoying the milk. Yeah, You enjoy the Lord. And then as a result of that, it says in verse 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people acquired for a possession so that you may tell out the virtues of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I think it's easy for us to realize in our personal experience how we've been affected personally by seeing the virtues in others. Yeah. When Christ is expressed through others, that affects me. It's the old saying, I can't hear what you're saying because what you're doing speaks so loud. In other words, what you tell out is a virtue. That's going to speak louder than anything you can say. That's what he's talking about here. It kind of reminds me of what Paul said in Galatians 2:20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When Christ is living through us, the virtues of Christ are coming out through us. And it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We can't take any glory for it. We don't get the credit for it. Christ gets the credit. Unto him be the glory in the church, was Paul's words in Ephesians 3.
1: You know, uh, he points out here, one of these excellent virtues in Christ is that God loves us even as sinners. Even before we're regenerated, he loved us, you know. John 3.16. But in the same context where Peter's talking about this process of transformation that we've all been called into, ultimately, we become this particular treasure, something that God views not just as an object of love, but something that he treasures. This really implies that his excellent virtues begin to get in into us. That's, I think, what you're saying, isn't it?
2: Exactly. It's a masterpiece. One brother shared one time that It's a miracle how God can create this masterpiece out of damaged merchandise. That's right. We're all damaged. We all are failures. We're all miserable. We need the mercy of the Lord to the uttermost. And yet the Lord would pick us to create a masterpiece out of us to tell out his virtues. And he can only do this when we come to him and long for the guileless milk of the word.
1: Boy, as you said, Matt, so uh, appropriately, it really leaves glory and the credit all in God's realm. He let Satan do all he could, and then he comes in with the residue, really, and produces this incredible masterpiece. Well, we're out of time, Matt, but I've enjoyed our, uh, our time together. You're off for a couple of weeks and a trip to uh, Asia. Join us as soon as you're back, I hope. Thanks, Chris. And we hope that you'll join us each day, but uh, we would recommend as you're following along that you contact us and get the printed life study messages that go with these programs. Uh, then you can follow along get into the material in more detail, and as Matt pointed out, the, the short amount of time we have each day to cover these major points is really not adequate, but these Life Study messages in, in their printed form are really marvelous resources. If you'd like to find out about how to receive it, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY 888-543-3788 And join us tomorrow as we continue on our Life Study of First Peter. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks very much for listening today.
2: Dear Lord, we
0: The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164.